0: Welcome to another edition of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder.
1: And I'm Sarah Severson. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. Today we are here at the KSJD Studios in downtown beautiful Cortez, Colorado.
0: And we're getting ready for some events coming up on August 12th and 13th. We'll do live storytelling events here at the Sunflower Theater in Cortez and also at the Durango Arts Center. The theme will be exposure. You can get tickets and more information at sunflowertheater.org.
1: The story you're about to hear was told by David Hullab at our live storytelling event in May when the theme was baggage.
0: David is editor, designer, and columnist for DGO, Durango's weekly arts, entertainment, and culture magazine. He's a former writing professor in Connecticut and was once the design editor and A&E editor for the Durango Herald. His writing has appeared in the Paris Review, McSweeney's, The Rumpus, Orion, American Book Review, and others. One of his arms is made entirely of cheese, but he refuses to say which. (laughs) Do you know which one?
1: I think it might be his left.
0: I know, I sniffed it. It didn't smell like (laughs) cheese. Here's David's story.
2: We got married when we were 20. And the day after we graduated college, we moved away from Colorado. Uh, The first stop was Western Missouri, then South Texas, then Miami, uh, before we wound up in a suburb of Hartford, Connecticut. And how it it worked was every time we moved, um, the jobs got better, the pay got better, and our houses got bigger, and the moving trucks got bigger. So uh, when we wound up in Connecticut, This was me and my wife. We didn't have kids. We were in our mid-20s and we had some cash. And so we bought a stupidly big house that was like 1,900 square feet with like five bedrooms when we really needed two. And so when you have all that space, all that extra space, what do you do? You fill it, right, with stuff. Um, So you would buy furniture, and appliances and pictures and artwork and knickknacks and kitsch, right? That's what we did. I remember uh, one time, we had uh, in this house, in the dining room, there was an awkward space in the corner and my wife was like, you know it would be good there, a, a china hutch. I was like, hey, we don't have any china. And B, I don't know what a hutch is, <laughs> but that's how it worked. Okay, so um, And that was our life. It was, this, it was a, a, a suburban life that we'd grown up in. We grew up in the suburbs of Denver, both of us, about a mile apart. And we lived this cycle of consumption where we would buy things because that's what you do. You go out to Target... And you go there for, let's say, laundry detergent. And an hour later, and $115 later, you've got some DVDs in the cart, you've got like a cinnamon broom, you've got uh, <laughs> like a little TV for the guest bedroom that no one ever stays in, right? That's what you do. Um, and that made sense for me, for, uh, to me for quite a while. Um, and then it started to not make sense. Um, I started to look around my suburban life and uh, you know, spending you know that that cycle that we do in suburbia, where you get up and you go to work, and then you come home, and then you eat dinner, and you watch TV, and you go to bed, and then you do it again the next day. It's the Sisyphean existence. Um, that didn't start to make sense for me after a while. Um, so, coupled with that. Uh, I I got what at the time was my dream job at the Hartford Current, which was as a graphic designer, and they were just well known worldwide for the graphic design. I'm like, I made it, right? (laughs) Except my job sucked. You know, it was like it was boring and unchallenging. Every day I was given two hours of work and expected to stretch it to eight. (laughs) Boring and unchallenging right? I had a, a monkey job is what I called it. So all of these things swirling in my life, um, there was some spiritual stuff that was changing. Um, my life just, I started to ask questions, you know, especially when it came to my job. Why am I doing this? Why, why am I living this life? Why am I mowing the lawn on weekends? Why am I putting in a, a, a flower bed when there's perfectly good sod there? Why am I doing this? Why do I maintain this life? And the answer was stuff. Stuff. I needed that job. We needed our jobs to support a lifestyle. We had a, a huge house. We had car payments, student loans, uh, You know, heating and cooling this big house. Uh, we needed our jobs to su- support this lifestyle. Um, and it it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, why do we have this stuff? Why do we need this stuff? Um, I kept all of these, all of this angst, all of these feelings private because of where they might lead. I wanted something in my life, and I couldn't express it. I couldn't bring it to my wife, and I kept it secret. Um, it got to the point where I talked to her one day, and I said. Let's sell everything. Let's sell this house. Let's quit our jobs. Let's move out into the country and live simply. And she's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, simple, like, live simply. Let, let's do it. And like, she's like, if we're selling this house, we're going to move back to Denver where our family is, and we're going to start our own family. We're going to have kids. I'm like, hell no. Hell no. Can't do that. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I needed out of that. I, I couldn't express it. I couldn't formulate what was just this power inside of me. And it, by the time I brought it up to her, it was too late. I had already made this, this decision of what I had to do. I had to leave. I needed a new life. We were married for, at that point, 10 years. In a span of three months, I dissolved that life. It took me three months to convince this woman who I'd spent, that I met when I was 16, three months to end everything. I had to convince her that I was not the same person. And the, hard, the hardest part for me was looking her in the eye and saying, I'll always love you but I don't love you anymore. And it was so hard, because it wasn't true, but it's what I had to say for her to leave. And so she left. I said, take everything. I don't want any of that stuff. And so she took everything. She took everything. (laughs) Except for like a camp chair and an air mattress, which was my bed in the living room. And I had, you know, that stuff was gone. But, oh, my God, like, I never, I, I didn't regret sending all of that stuff away, including her and the dogs and everything. I lived in that empty house for a year. It wouldn't sell. It was, it was the height of the housing bubble busting. I thought I was going I to, I like, she was going to leave, and I was going to buy a pickup truck and a trailer and live as a vagabond, and the house wouldn't sell. And I lived in this empty house And there were spots in the house. So a dining room is meant to have a dining room table. Instead, there's an empty. There's a there's a light hanging from the ceiling, at eye level. And if you weren't careful, you'd walk into it. There's a space in the kitchen that could only house a refrigerator. It was empty. And, I, and if you weren't careful, you'd knock your head on that cabinet. And I did. I, was, I knocked it, and I fell on the ground, and there was like cartoonish <laughs> birds circling above my head. But more so than a lack of furniture and pictures on the wall were the echoes that I heard. Every time I walked on the hardwood floors, every time I sneezed, every time I spoke on the phone, there were echoes. And I heard her voice. I heard her crying and her pleading. I couldn't get those echoes out of my head. I, this house eventually sold. And I found my simple country life. I rented a garage apartment in rural Northwest Connecticut and lived there. And that was a time for, I lived there for three years, and that was a time for me to understand what I had done, understand why I made the choices that I had to make to get out of that life. And I began to heal there in that, in that tiny garage apartment. But every day, the, the guilt that I had, the pain that I caused, the heart that I broke, The more I processed that experience, I began to take pieces of that pain and that burden off of my back and set them on the ground so that I could look back and see where I've come from.
0: David for telling that story. And to hear more from David, stick around for the outtake at the end of this podcast.
1: And to hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share the stories with your friends.
0: If you want to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to ravennarratives.org and fill out the form on the contact page.
1: You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers and find out what the themes will be for upcoming events.
0: The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org.
1: Special thanks goes to our sound engineering wizard, Mike McAllister, for his technical expertise in recording and mixing the Raven Narrative stories told at the Sunflower Theater.
0: Support for The Raven Narratives comes from Red Scarf Shots Photography Studio in Durango, Colorado. Find out more at redscarfshots.com.
1: Now for the outtake. take. <laughs>
2: you know, so like we had all of this stuff and, I'm, and so like we went through the house one day and wrote, uh, I wrote down on a piece of paper what I wanted, what I wanted to keep and what, and any, and everything else, I said take, I don't want it. I'm moving out to the country into a trailer. <laughs> so like, I, I, I don't want anything. And so uh, every, like she stuck to that list
0: you know what I'm dying to know? What? What was on that list? I
1: know. <laughs> too? Like, how big was it? How many items? Yeah, yeah. Was it? like was like, yeah. Do you
0: remember? Like, you must remember. I still have it. You
2: do? You still have the list? I do yeah, have it. Uh, yeah.
1: That's great. What was on the list? Yeah, so what, what, yeah, was, so what things? was on the list?
2: Um, you know, like, um, you know jv dishes jv yeah. silverware uh-huh. jv oh that's uh, junior the varsity brand. Yeah. No, no 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 junior no, like junior varsity the second best oh, <laughs> right, yeah. oh. oh jv got Not it. the
1: cool stuff yeah <laughs>